This is Curtis Patrick, and you're listening to the Dynasty Command Center podcast. On today's episode, we'll talk about how to build your own Dynasty Command Center, and I'll also break down a recent Rotoviz Dynasty Expert rookie draft. Okay, well, I, I don't know how to kick off this show. It's been nearly half a year, uh, nearly half a year since I've been on air. Those of you that that know me a little bit more closely know that uh, my day my day job grind uh, is in healthcare, and so 2020, 2020 in some ways uh, was a positive year uh, for me and my family, uh, but it was also a very trying year uh, personally in terms of uh, professional commitment outside of the fantasy space. I've, I've never worked so hard. I've never been so stressed. I've never lost so much sleep. I've never ached and hurt uh, for so many other people. And, you know, it's a year, it's certainly a year that I'll always remember. Um, and I'm not sure how long it will take for me to fully process everything that happened this year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, but you know, that, that is really the driving reason behind, uh, my extended, uh, podcast absence, uh, and, and why maybe I was a little quieter, uh, on, you know, the Twitter sphere this year. I, I really did not have as much time in the 2020 season to interact with the community, uh, to put my voice out there, uh, because it, it literally was at a point where I was having to decide between trading more hours of sleep, uh, for those activities, um, versus simply, you know, self-care. Uh, and so my, my commitment obviously was to the written content on the site, uh, to engaging with our premium email subscribers and, you know, our various commitments with, uh, important industry partners, but I'm, I'm happy to say uh, that, that it looks like with uh, vaccinations starting to take hold and some of our COVID ICU numbers dropping um, as, as part of a national trend, that I'm getting a little bit of that time back. So we'll have to see how regularly this is going to occur. Uh, my intention is to keep it short and to speak to you regularly and, and get back on track with this thing. I mean... It was a tough year, but it also means I've got like half a year's worth of takes stored up in the the commander tank here. And uh, I've got a lot of things to say and did not have a chance to say them. So uh, anyway, thank you for letting me share, you know, a little bit behind the curtain there. Uh, happy to answer questions about that, you know, on the timeline. If there's people that have a particularly, you know, particular curiosity uh, about the year. Um, those closest to me at Rotoviz, you know, kind of know what was going on. But uh, that's enough of that. Let's move on uh, to why you're listening to the pod. Let's get to some content. So uh, right at the, the turn of the new year, I put out my first Dynasty Workshop piece of the season. It's called Build Your Command Center. You know, that's what that's what this podcast is all about. It's being intentional uh, with our approach to Dynasty, um, having success on purpose and not by accident. And, you know, from a macro strategy level, you know, not even thinking about rosters necessarily, there are some things you need to do to be a disciplined player. If, if you are wanting to make that transition from 
a one league dynasty guy or gal to a two league player this year or from a two league player to a five league player. I'm talking to you dynasty portfolio builders. How do you keep track of what you've been doing and make sure that you can still have success across, you know, a a broad landscape of leagues and, and league designs with different rules and different uh, roster requirements and different uh, drafts occurring at different times of the year. It's, It's a lot to keep track of. So before we kind of look forward to 2021, let's take a look back at 2020 and, and see, you know, in a moment of personal reflection, how we might improve. Uh, so, so what does your past year as a dynasty player look like? This would be the time where you should grab a notepad. Okay. What did 2020 look like? How did you get to this place where you a winner in 2020? Were you a loser? Were you caught in that pit of mediocrity where you were just good enough to make the playoffs, but really didn't have a chance. You missed your trade windows or couldn't find a partner, you know, regardless of, of which of those categories best describes you in the league that you're thinking about, you know, why is that the case? And if you're successful, how are you going to replicate that success next year? Will the things that worked in 2020 even work in 2021? Uh, Maybe you were lucky. And if you were lucky, are you humble enough to admit it? (laughs) Cause that, that can be tough. Uh, you know, when you look at the scoreboard and you look at the winnings and the trophies and, you know, the titles, are you willing to be honest about whether you earned that title or it was total luck? Because if you're not honest, you can go from here to zero pretty quickly. So there's a lot of questions here, uh, but I think I've made my point. You know, we, we need to look at each of your leagues and your portfolio at large and understand why the year went the way that it went. So first off, do you have a method for keeping track of your dynasty activity? If you do not, uh, I provided a free uh, downloadable portfolio tracker uh, in the article. I'm going to share this in the notes uh, for the podcast. I'll also uh, tweet it back out. It's free. If you've got a Rotovis subscription, you can download this file and build your portfolio in there. It's pretty simple, but this should be a simple thing. You should be able to quickly look across all your leagues, understand your win-loss record, the formats, how you performed, and what was your return on investment. So you got to build your own command center, and and I've given you a tool to do that. Um, Some of the things you want to look at, you know, inventory of all your leagues, uh, how many teams are in the league, uh, it's it's helpful to understand the format that you're playing in. I find that some people don't consume the content that's geared at at the type of leagues they play in. Uh, this exercise was helpful for me. So, for example, in 2020, I was playing in 11 dynasty leagues. Eight of the 11 were Superflex and tight end premium. So it doesn't really make sense for me very much at this point to focus a, a lot of attention on the single quarterback format other than for those of you that are, you know, following me for advice in that format. Um, and, and I'm finding that that's the trend. You know, that's been the trend on my fantasy league. You know, these one-off leagues that are started up by, you know, some of the Uber commissioners in the dynasty community. But FFPC over the last two years has really started to convert, you know, the majority of their new leagues to the Superflex format as well. And I really want to drop a tease about 2021 here. Uh, but I'm going to show her some restraint. You'll have to listen into future episodes. Uh, but I think that trend is going to continue in 2021 for some very specific reasons. 
Okay. So uh, other things that you want to look at in your portfolio tracker, uh, your host site, your buy-ins. Um, when you lay out all your league buy-ins next to each other, and then you think about the time that you invest in the leagues that cost the most versus uh, the least, it can be it, it can be a helpful exercise. So, you know, I have leagues all the way from charity where we make a donation. That's obviously still a cost to me. It's for a good cause and it's a bragging rights league. Um, I have other leagues, uh, one other league where my entry was paid uh, for me to enter uh, as an expert. And then I have other leagues where, you know, I'm paying 250 or more dollars uh, for some of those leagues. And it's just interesting to look at which leagues am I spending time on and does that correlate to how much I've invested in said league? Because for me, it definitely did not. Uh, some of my highest maintenance leagues are like Ryan McDowell's kitchen sink leagues, for example. It's Devi, it's deep rosters, it's 24 to 48 teams, depending on which one we're talking about. And they're less than $100 to play. Now, they're super fun. They take a ton of time and effort. And I've got leagues that I pay four times that uh, per year that I don't pay as much attention to. And does that make sense? From an, R, from an ROI perspective, you know, my focus should begin with those teams that I'm paying the most for. And if I can't give that attention to those teams, why is that? Is it because uh, I have fallen off course with my strategy? Is it that there's not as much engagement from the other owners in the league? What is it and how can I change it? Because, you know, the time value... Uh, equation there needs it needs to make sense um okay so moving on you know obviously win loss record did I make the playoff did I make the title game was I the champion and then of course winnings and you you would like to know your total buy-in your total winnings what was your return on investment across your portfolio uh if you keep joining leagues over the course of the year your buy-ins can get out of control you know you join one league a month and then oh, you know the thing that's different with dynasties, I mean, you're going to have to pay those dues again next year. And if you leave, it's a big decision and it affects your league mates. It's not like, ah, I just won't play that redraft format again next year. So before you commit to more leagues in 2021, you, you better look back at 2020. Am I appropriate? Do I want to, do I want to invest more? Um, so yeah, so this tool will help you, you know, enter you know, that information display, you know, at kind of a stoplight format, green, yellow, red, if you're on track, et cetera. And, uh, you know, for me, so looking back at this exercise, I had, you know, just over a thousand dollars in dynasty buy-ins last year. Uh, my winnings, uh, approached $3,000 in ROI, you know, between 150, 200%. Um, and so that's good. So, uh, maybe you had those types of results. Maybe you had better results. If your results weren't on that level, um, you will now, uh, have a way to devise a plan of attack for 2021. What are those leagues where you're really missing? And what do you need to do to turn them around? And where are those leads where you're having success? And why did you have that success? Okay, moving on. Let's talk about the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide. Moving forward, uh, I'm, I'm really referring to this more as the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide because that's what it is. You know, Dynasty Command Center is still always going to be the name of this podcast. Um, but that is not really, you know, the brand with which I'm associated anymore. Rotoviz acquired Dynasty Command Center, and you know that transition was complete a year ago, and it's really a Rotoviz product now. 
um, written by, uh, you know, Rotoviz guys and with Rotoviz process. And this is the fourth year, and it is it is just absolutely incredible. If you have not purchased the guide, uh, hit pause, rotoviz.com, and just click on Rookie Guide across the top bar. $19.99 gets you all three volumes. So normally, we would be doing a, a pre-combine or, or immediate post-NFL declaration uh, issue where we're just looking at the class, uh, mostly from a production standpoint, um, and just really a college production profile standpoint, you know, some age analysis, et cetera. And then typically we would do a post NFL combine issue. We can't do that this year because there is no NFL combine. We still don't know the exact details of what athletic measurement, uh, collection will look like in 2021, but we know that the NFL wants to provide guidance for structured workouts at these, you know, in a decentralized pro day model. So, we will probably issue two will probably have multiple iterations where, you know, after a bunch of the big college pro days, um, we're adding more of that analysis to the guide. So I say three issues is probably going to be more like, you know, three issues with issue two having four or five versions. Uh, and then of course, issue three is post NFL draft. So you, you can really just track with us throughout the process. Uh, what is team Rotoviz thinking about the class? How are players moving up and down the rankings as we get more information? Um, but we've never, we have never had more information in issue one uh, in the three you know previous years uh, of this guide. There's over 100 rookie profiles. We've got uh, mock drafts for the three major familiar formats. Course one QB, Superflex, uh, Superflex tight end premium. Uh, we got rankings and tiers, you know, for, for all of those iterations. And then we've got positional analysis uh, for, you know, for all of your favorite fantasy positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, you know, tight end. It's there. It's all there. It's 35 pages deep and you're not going to regret it. And plus the graphics are pretty great. Um, So anyway, let's get into today. I want to focus just on what uh, the composition of some of the rookie drafts uh, looked like in the guide, because uh, that it changes every year and where, the positional value is can determine the relative value of those uh, nameless draft picks. Because right now, when you're looking in your your dynasty uh, coffers, you see rookie 101 or rookie 106 or rookie 112. What are those things worth? What can you expect to get there? So let's go over the one QB PPR uh, mock draft for today. And, you know, uh, we'll see how long that takes us and maybe we'll get to some of the other uh, mock drafts or maybe I'll hit one mock draft in each of the upcoming episodes. So uh, participants in this draft were myself, Sean Siegel, Dave Cabin, Blair Andrews and, and Travis May. So we just rotated through uh, the five of us and, you know, drafted as as if, you know, we we owned multiple picks in each round um, in the one Q. QB format, obviously, we do not deal with the powerhouses of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the first round, uh, but there's still some pretty big decision points here. Uh, in this in this version of the draft, the draft order was Travis, Sean, Dave, me, and then Blair. So Travis has long been a Travis Etienne fan. Uh, don't think it's because of, of their shared name. I think it's because of the big playability, 
um, you know, the early college production, some of the the receiving ability. And, you know, uh, he, he would have, he was one of our top players coming out last year. We actually had him as our cover athlete on, on uh, volume one of the guide in 2020 uh, because we released it a few days before the NFL uh, declaration deadline. And then he didn't come out. Um, so, you know, we, we've obviously been very high on Travis Etienne uh, for quite some time. Travis took him at, at one. So the running back off the board. And then there's the big decision point, and there's there seems to be a divide as to whether uh, Najee Harris is going to be the number two, or do you start looking at uh, the the riches at the wide receiver position? So Sean had the second pick. Of course, Sean is going to go wide receiver. He takes Jamar Chase. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Jamar Chase. Um, he he was out of sight, but not out of mind in 2020. Um, but we can't forget the type of profile that he built. He did not need 2020. He just didn't need it. He, he what he did is historic in the SEC. Yes, he was part of an incredible, you know, record-setting LSU offense with Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But Jamar Chase was potentially the most valuable and best player in the offense. Uh, Joe Burrow elevated everyone, but Jamar Chase did it at every level. He was a big play player, uh, unguardable. I've seen film, you know, critics say maybe he's not the most precise route runner. I, I don't necessarily care about that. He <laughs> he was getting uh, open at every level of the field and, you know, just posted, his, again, historic numbers, numbers that really only he and Devontae Smith uh, have approached uh, in recent memory in, in the SEC. So, Jamar Chase two, Dave then takes Najee Harris at at one hundred three. I was then left with a, a bunch of different decisions, and and it, it, this is a decision point for me at the one hundred four because I think you're past that. You know, Jamar Jamar Chase is in a tier above everyone else for me uh, at wide receiver, and I do think ETN and Harris uh, will separate at running back. So one hundred four feels like the first decision, real true decision point. Uh, at this stage of the game and in dynasty rookie drafts, um, I'm not sure what my opinion will be in April. Um, some of the players that are uh, in consideration for me here are Devonte Smith, uh, aforementioned Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman. Those are really the three guys um, that, that are in consideration. I will probably waffle on this for a while. I think it's going to be very difficult Rondell Moore, obviously the the just incredible age 18 freshman production, um, an absolute dynamo athletically, so strong for his size, big plays all over the field. So he's got the breakout age, he's got the production, he's got the athleticism. Um, some Big Ten competition, uh, maybe a criticism would be that a lot of his production comes uh, via short routes, maybe not the, the most route complexity uh, I think you'll you'll hear that from some of the the film guys, but he he he's a game elevator. He's an offense elevator. Devonte Smith, uh, what can you say? I mean, only three non quarterback Heisman winners in in what like the last twenty years. Devonte Smith's one of them. Um, you can't poke a hole in what he did in in twenty twenty, and he he does not satisfy a lot of the criteria we traditionally value here at Rotoviz. But he, he also did what he did in such dominating fashion um, against the best players in the country. I mean, poor Sean Wade for the Ohio State Buckeyes. 
his draft stock was just murdered in that national championship game. Devontae Smith, just no one had an answer for him. And uh, I, I, we'll have to see. I, th- I think the NFL will value what he did in the in the SEC. And because of that, he will get very high draft capital. Um, we've also seen uh, some of these older receivers who enter the NFL at age 22 with some of this great uh, production. We've seen them bear out over time. You know, A.J. Green comes to mind. And, you know, people who follow Alabama closely or like Debbie fans, you know, understand things like, you know, uh, teammate talent levels. Of course, we had Jalen uh, Waddell there. You know, we had Henry Ruggs uh, as part of the the picture. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on there in Alabama. Um, it is it is a little bit of a red flag, though, that Devontae Smith, you know, waited for this type of true explosion uh, until he had, you know, decided age advantage against his competition. And then, uh, oh, Rashad Bateman. I mean, Rashad Bateman, I think, is probably like Michael Thomas all over again, um, just at a lower profile school uh, in Minnesota. So just three guys, uh, really, really lots to like there. I took Devontae Smith at 104 here. Blair followed with Rondale Moore. And then Travis takes, this This is a, this is a player that, I'm seeing a lot of a disagreement on in terms of just how valuable is he? I haven't found a lot of people who don't like him, but where is he valued versus wide receivers? And then it's Javante Williams, the running back in North Carolina. He's got the 220 pound size. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything. And he has kind of that bell cow profile uh, in terms of the skill set and in terms of the size. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see. I think 106 is a great spot for him, but I think because of the relative weight that dynasty drafters typically give running backs, uh, especially in a running back poor class like this one. Uh, This is a running back poor class at the top. I can see Javante Williams going all the way up to the top three by the time it's all said and done. You know, if he checks the draft capital box, which we expect him to that day two draft capital. Um, So you have to be aware of that. If you, if you find yourself being a Javante Williams fan, um, you might need to own the 103 to guarantee yourself a shot. Uh, so keep that in mind. 107, Sean takes Kyle Pitts. Many are calling him the wide receiver two in the class, uh, but he gets to play tight end. Uh, I've seen many people compare him to Darren Waller. He's going to destroy, you know, the athletic measurables department. And, you know, we we love we love the onesie positions. We love the onesie position advantages uh, at Rotoviz. And since there's so much of a concentration on tight end premium and dynasty these days, Kyle Pitts is very attractive. Um, it is pretty rare that we see, you know, true rookie dominance um, from, uh, from a tight end. And for those reasons, I'm skeptical as to whether we should draft Kyle Pitts this highly, uh, because I think he'll be available at around this price point in year two, but you would have passed on a player who will probably accrue value uh, to, to, to select pits here, but I, I do agree. He's around one pick. Um, and the format of this mock draft actually was not even tied in premium. So that, that tells you how high Sean is just a, a traditional PPR Kyle Pitts one Oh seven, uh, Dave back up Jalen, uh, Waddell, uh, out of, uh, Alabama. It, he, he's not, he's not going to check a lot of boxes folks. Um, other than draft capital. I, I was happy in this draft to have waited on Rashad Bateman because I got him 109. So I got, I got two of my top six players, uh, even though, you know, I had picks four and nine and round one finishes out 
with Terrace Marshall, the uh, just gigantor out of LSU. Uh, he he hung up uh, his cleats midway through the season once he had uh, locked in draft capital. Tylen Wallace uh, at eleven to Travis out of Oklahoma State. You know, former Boletnikov uh, winner uh, coming off the ACL, and then Sean took one of my favorite under the radar guys at the back half he's a he's a back half of the first round target elijah moore elijah moore is going to check a bunch of boxes for us uh dynasty command center family so you're going to hear a lot about him on the podcast this year and we're going to be sharp and make sure that we do not let him fall to round two and we're going to be trading up for him in the latter stages of the first round so how does it play how does this really play let me tell you how i'm playing rookie drafts uh, in the one QB PPR format if I'm drafting right now. And I know some of you play in leagues like that where you draft before the NFL draft. Well, the story of the 21, uh, 2021 class, it's all about the elite wide receiver talent. Uh, there's about two handfuls of pass catchers uh, to be excited about. And, and really everything this year is about maneuvering around to collect as many of these guys as you can. And it's going to be a really fun draft because of that. Um already talked a little bit about you know the inflation of of running back uh, especially in running back poor seasons um 2021 is really going to be a pick shopper's dream i think if if you're a, a wide receiver fan uh and and round one as we just reviewed uh i think that the trend will be three ball carriers in the first round etn harris and williams it's possible that with great athletic testing that chuba hubbard uh, could push his way back into that conversation. And if you're in a really running back focused format, like uh, FFPC, one QB dynasty, for example, um, I could see people, you know, starting to to reach on, you know, Jamar Jefferson or Kenneth Gainwell um, or even Trey Sermon in the, in the first round. And, you know, then there's late risers like Michael Carter at the senior bowl, who's elevated his play. So there's some other, depending on your format, there's going to be some other players who sneak into that first round consideration. But I think the three, the, the three and Travis Etienne, uh, Najee Harris and Javante Williams are the three that, you know, we do need to be focused on. Um, let's see. I, I don't see any other wide receivers, regardless of landing spot, leaping Etienne and Harris. Um, so if you want Chase, uh, you may have to be in the top three for him, but I think uh, four, five, six is just such a great spot to accrue picks because you're going to have access to that tier of wide receivers that I named uh, earlier. Um, let's see. Uh, round two, we're going to save that for another day. Uh, but round two, I think there's a cutoff that occurs about midway through. So the story for me and my recommendation to you for your rookie drafts this year is to accrue as many collect as many top 18 ish picks as you can. It is, it is absolutely loaded in, in that range. And then there's plenty of, plenty of players who uh, from a situation standpoint, you know, could find themselves elevated uh, that we can target later on. And there's some players who are going to get draft capital that don't, um, don't hit a lot of our metrics that we would still potentially invest in. So like a player like, Kadarius Tony, who tra- Travis was pretty brutal on uh, in, in the guide, and, and mostly for good reasons, um, he's probably going to check the draft capital box because of all the momentum he has as an athlete and all, all the people who are going to have eyes on him because of the evaluation of Kyle Trask and that Florida offense. 
So Tony's probably going to check the draft capital box. And because of that, he's going to have dynasty value. So if you draft early uh, and, you know, people are box score scouting, you know, he's, he's a great target in like round three right now. He's going to accrue value uh, for you. And, and it could be a sell, you know, after NFL draft day. So uh, right now, you know, it, it's looking like a great year for picks in that top 18. And the talent in the first round is just super elite. I would literally be floored to have any of the 12 players uh, that were selected by, you know, the our, our team of five that participated in this exercise. So uh, let's hit my specific rankings. So again, let's review the mock draft, ETN, uh, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Rondell Moore, Jav- Javante Williams. And then 7 through 12 was Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, Tylen Wallace, and Elijah Moore. That doesn't necessarily align with my rankings, uh, but it's mostly, I think it's 11 of the 12 players, my top 12. So the only change, the only player I would put in my top 12 that wasn't in the swap of the player is Diami Brown. So Diami Brown uh, is in my top 12 at the expense of Tylen Wallace. I like Tylen Wallace, uh, what he did at the age that he did it, but the injury worries me a little bit. And, you know, the situation in the Big 12, you know, and with the Oklahoma State wide receivers, you know, it's, it's obviously a stat padding offense. Now, he did everything that he was asked to do in that situation, and he did take the opportunity to heal that ACL and get back to full strength in college. So, that's a that's a bonus because he's not going to have that stunted uh, breakout in the NFL as a result. But you know when we're talking first round picks, uh, grabbing a player who doesn't have an ACL tear versus a player who does and who also has very impressive production, the, the tiebreaker is going that direction. So for me, Diami Brown, the big play machine out of uh, North Carolina, really, really, really impressed with this player. He's done some things that are pretty rare in NFL history, and so. Uh, in future episodes, I'll be breaking his profile down a little bit more and tell you what some of those things are. But name uh, to have handy as you're evaluating, you know, potential back end of first round uh, place. And and for what it's worth, Blair Andrews also has Diami Brown in his top 12. Uh, so, you know, two of the five of us agree from that perspective as far as the root of his fantasy football rookie draft guide team goes for volume one. Okay, well, that's it for today. Thanks for coming back and, uh, and and logging back into the command center with me. And I'm happy to have you back. This is going to be a huge year. We're going to explore a lot of things. My Dynasty Workshop series on uh, the website. We've got some amazing partnerships uh, that we're going to talk about that are going to change maybe what you do with Dynasty Startups in 2021. And of course, uh, we're going to get you organized and help you make the playoffs at a high rate, win those titles at a high rate, and have a great return on investment for your dynasty dollar. 